The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Luke writes, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, dear saints, many of you would probably agree that there are very few things that are sadder than family members fighting over their inheritance. The possibility of gaining from substantial inheritance can turn sheep into wolves. And could you even imagine interrupting a sermon to seek the preacher's help to get more wealth. Well, that's exactly just what the brother in today's gospel does. In dispute over assets, this man wants Jesus to decide in his favor. Now, both brothers are captive to covetousness and are breaking the 10th commandment. The man with the lion's share of the inheritance could have divided it equally with his brother, but greed seems to get in the way. No mediating of one's dispute by our Lord will solve the deeper problem of the human heart. People who covet what they don't have are unaware of their own attitudes and their own actions. One priest once reported that in 25 years of hearing confessions, that he had heard every single sin except for just one, except for the sin of covetousness. The man who seeks Jesus' help wants the broken relationship between himself and his brother finished by complete separation. 
And Jesus points out that he hasn't come as a divider. He's come as a reconciler. And he wants to reconcile people to each other, not to finalize divisions between them. And reconciliation will require require the petitioner to gain a new perspective of one's self. Receiving his portion of the inheritance won't solve the animosity between the two brothers. For the issue here is greed rather than justice. Jesus' parable seeks to change human hearts to free them from being possessed by their possessions. His story of a successful farmer, well, it's a demoralizing story. It seems to call into question so much of what we hold near and dear to our own culture. For we seem to hold successful people in this world up as inspiration for us. We look at books on our shelves of our libraries with the titles, How to Succeed. And we, we look at those books and we grab them because we want to know the meaning of life. Those books, they, they seem to have all the answers and the secrets for us. The farmer in today's gospel is an outstanding success in our earthly terms, but Jesus, he calls him a dismal failure in what really matters. What matters eternally. And the irony of success is that it can limit as well as expand our horizons. You see, this farmer was locked in by his own success. What he's mastered had come to master him. No other story in the Bible is more filled with the eye disease. In this short space in Scripture, there are eight eyes and four mys in this story. And all goes well for him in, the, in his business. You see, his, his business, it's not malicious. It's not evil. There's no mention of him being a bad employer. And many people see nothing wrong with his attitude at all. After all, he's acting with decency and common sense. Our modern society would consider him certainly a successful person. He's a good guy. He's making a lot of money. But it's significant to note here that in light of this man's success, that we see that this man speaks only with himself. And he is concerned only with himself. You see, he has no one else with whom he talks. He consults no neighbors or friends to exchange ideas. 
His speech is, well, it's pitiful. This affluent person has arrived. He's made it. By modern times of our society, he is a success. And he needs an audience for his arrival speech. And he exclaims, who will rejoice with me? But he can only address himself, his only audience. This self-serving individual deals only with things. Things like the bigger barns, the grain bins that he'll build, the profit that he'll make from selling his grain when the prices go up, and the richer selection of food and drink for himself to indulge in. The greatest good that he can imagine in life is maximizing his own pleasure. It never enters his own mind to give to the needy or to assist the poor. He has no need of anyone else. He lives only for himself. And not only does he give no thought of thanking God for his huge harvest, he reveals that he's forgotten that his own body is mortal and he won't necessarily live on for many years. The existence of others has totally dropped out of the picture for him. His formula for the good life is sheer stupidity. He cannot take any of his immense possessions into the grave with him. In his hour of greatest need, all of his possessions will prove of no use to him at all. Though this man may have had nothing to say to God, God had something to say to him. You fool. This very night, your life is being required of you. Verse 20. The verb to require is used for the return of a loan. His life was on loan, and now God, the owner, wants the loan returned. Jesus makes it clear that our lives are not our own to do what we like. But, our, but they are a gift from God. God thunders to the rich farmer. Look at what you have done to yourself. You plan alone. You build alone. You indulge alone. And now you will die alone. This man doesn't know who will end up with all of his assets and riches after he dies. A fool is someone who plans, someone whose plans end at the grave. Was there ever a more searching question concerning the meaning of life than our Lord's question from Luke chapter 9, verse 25, that says, What does it profit any of us if we gain the whole world but lose our lives? There are very few things our Lord condemns more than greed. 
He attacks the false evaluation of life in economic terms. As if we can measure life in such narrow terms. Greed prevents so much generosity from occurring. Greed never delivers all the benefits that it promises. Benefits like peace of mind, security, and happiness. You see, we need five things for a reasonably content life. One, food. Two, clothing. Three, shelter. Four, medical care. And five, the means to purchase the first four things. And Jesus doesn't oppose an appreciation of the good things of life. And the best way to enjoy all the good things that God has given us is by thanking him for them. Nothing sustains joy and happiness better than gratitude. It is good to give thanks to the Lord for life and health and daily, our daily bread. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Life consists in the abundance of God's undeserved goodness to us. God's goodness is first of all evident in his gifts of family, his gifts of friends, and his gifts of neighbors. Where would any of us be without all that our grandparents, our parents, and our siblings have done for us? Dear saints, relationships with others are the true God-given riches of this life. Relationships take time to nourish and to keep together. And sadly, we see marriages breaking apart because couples are not spending sufficient and quality time with each other. And we hear of children becoming estranged from their mothers and their fathers because their busy parents haven't spent sufficient and quality time with them. Advertisers give people unrealistic expectations of the benefits of material goods and possessions. And God never meant these things to be the focus and goals of this life. And I'll tell you that I can personally tell you this. As a victim of a household fire, possessions, material things don't mean as much to me now as what I thought they did once in my life. I am a free man now. Jesus can free us from being enslaved to possessions. We could have lost so much more in that fire. And I thank God every day for my family that was saved. Jesus, he came into our world to help us become rich towards God. He became rich before God when we, we become rich before God when we accept God as the giver and all that we have as his gifts to us. We're rich as far as God is concerned when we see the existence of everyone else in our lives as God's gifts to us. We see and acknowledge faith, hope, and love as life's true riches 
and Jesus Christ as God's crowning gift to us. Thank God. His son, Jesus Christ, shares the riches of his love, goodness and glory with us. For, you know, the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. Second Corinthians eight, nine. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in all fullness and riches. It is a life too rich and wonderful to end in death. Let this good news of great joy possess you and overwhelm you with all of its glorious possibilities. Those who are content with what God has given them are truly rich indeed. What better can we hope for in this life than God given contentment. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. The more grateful we are for all that we have already, the more content we will be saying, I love you, as often as possible to those that are near and dear to us. Fill them with a sense of contentment. We can be content in the knowledge that what God chooses for us is better than what we may choose for ourselves. Better a poor farmer than a rich fool. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.